Hi, welcome to what is essentially the first proper episode of Let You Down, the podcast about disappointment, hosted by me, Kaylin Pygott. I have had a lot of help putting this together. There's the theme song you're hearing now by Jay Stroutman, and there's our artwork by the amazing Isra Fitch. But for the most part, I'm doing this all myself, the interviewing, the recording, the editing, and I've never done anything like this before. So there's still some kinks I'm working out in the whole process. I'm not going to tell you what they are. I'm going to let you make a fun game out of trying to figure it out for yourself. As long as you don't let it distract you from this interview with my first amazing guest, Maddie Grace, an incredible songwriter and musician and kind, generous human being who I am so proud to call my friend. But uh, that's enough out of me. Uh, I'll let her introduce herself. My name is Maddie Grace. I'm a musician uh, currently residing in Chibuktuk uh, or Halifax. I use she, they pronouns. I am neurodivergent almost to a fault. And I spend most of my time playing in bands. Thank you very much. That was that was the most in-depth introduction yet, and I really appreciate you sharing. Yeah, of course. Um, so the first question that I have is if you could tell me a story of a time that you were disappointed either by a situation or a person or anything, really. Yeah, um, and I'll, um, and I'll, uh, ha, I'll like hum and ha a whole bunch. Absolutely. Um, a time when I disappointed a person. I mean, like, actively, and no one has explicitly said this but I know that in the process of like coming out as trans and existing as as I exist um I know that was probably a pretty big blow for my folks because they were always like you're gonna get married and you're gonna have kids and you're gonna be a husband and all of these things and I'm just like that's so fucked like I'm not gonna be anyone's husband like it was never said explicitly, but I know based on like how my parents are and like how they interact with the world and how they quote unquote raised me that there was a huge disappointment there. Like it doesn't seem like often in my life people have been like, I'm disappointed in you. Like I can think of times when I was younger where my parents were like, why did you, you know, why did you give your sister the middle finger? And I was just like, well, I just did. They're like, we're very disappointed in you. And I was like, that doesn't really feel like it holds a ton of water. That's just like, you should be more respectful. And it's just like, if I'm not showing respect, then why should I show respect back? But like, I know that like coming out as trans was really hard for my folks and they still struggle. Um, And I think that the ideal life that they wanted for me, which was never really going to be the case, because like. I've always been poor and I've always been a punk and I've always like been those things, you know, from a young age was always just like cops are bad. And they're like, why do you say that? It's just like cops are bad. What do you mean you hate people in trucks? And just like I don't know, racism, like yeah. it's just like fucking no brainer shit. But I grew up in like rural New Brunswick, you know, when it was just like, guess what? You have a daughter and have had a daughter for X number of years. And they're just like, we don't know how to take that. Like, I haven't seen my dad in, like, going on seven years now. Okay. Like, I came out and he moved out west to, like, Alberta. And those things were not directly correlated. Yeah, that was just a But it was just coincidental. And it's just, like, you know, like, cool, you've never, 
interacted with me on a level and like I can't even tell your discomfort now Mm -hmm. because like I can't I'm not gonna text you and ask you if you were disappointed in me right (laughs) or were you disappointed that I made my life hard for myself quote unquote unquote because that seemed to be like the theme where it's just like you're making things harder for yourself and it's just like no I'm just like trying to exist yeah I mean that kind of you know in my experience from having friends who are trans the way it's always struck me is that it's like, it's going to be harder for you to not live as who you are. So it's kind of like such a fundamental misunderstanding. Yeah. Fundamental misunderstanding. And without being too like morbid about it, it's not really like I had a ton of choice. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I have to do this thing. I should have done this thing fucking 10 years ago, but I didn't. I was like, you know, dipped my toes into androgyny and was like doing all of those things. And then it was just like, no, this is still the case. And I've known since I was like six and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, just like not having resources and not having, you know, information. And like, that's, that's just like a critical downfall of like being raised in the nineties, you know, experiencing the internet as it comes to life, but then like not having actual access to resources for anything until it's like much too late Mm -hmm. like after the fact or like not knowing that you can advocate for yourself or like when I even moved to Halifax which is like 2004 now not just like moving here and being like I need to go to a doctor I need to get my brain assessed I need to figure out that I do have this and this and this and that also I know that I have gender feelings and I know that I want to address those And then I was just like, nope, neglect. I'm going to neglect myself. And then just like, you know, spend the next 10 years in a fucking haze. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't have like the language for it. Exactly. You don't, until you have the language for it, it's really hard to like not just immediately be like, well, I guess I'm bad. And then it's kind of like you're disappointing yourself because you can't like live authentically because you're constantly trying to like, part of it is like get past how you feel you're going to be perceived because the East coast is really small. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's, you know, it's really challenging to be a queer person here. It's really ch- challenging to be a queer person in like customer service capacities, which is like the jobs I've predominantly worked because, you know, they're the easiest ones to take time off to go on tour. And like, yeah. you know, it's pretty exhausting after a minute. And then like, it almost feels like you can kind of disappoint yourself a little bit because you're like how come it's not easier how come i'm not doing better like how come i'm not thriving quote unquote yeah when that's all just like kind of bullshit anyway (laughs) one of the things that kind of struck me just from like the start of that story um was that it's kind of like this idea of when you were like oh like i think my parents are disappointed that i wasn't going to be like somebody's husband I just find it really interesting, like disappointing someone because of expectations that you didn't set for yourself. Oh, absolutely. Like like that they were setting on you, maybe not even necessarily saying it, but like you can tell. Totally. And, and that's, that was very much like the implication, like you're going to do this and you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And it was just like, okay, well, like. I I knew something was up from a young age. I knew I didn't particularly want to have conventional relationships. I didn't necessarily want to have like heteronormative fucking this is what your life is and like 
you know, there have been times in my life where I tried really hard to adhere to that. You know, I've had partners like both before coming out and after coming out and like being like, oh, you know, I can deal with this on my own and make this work. And then like come out and everything blows up or doesn't, or like I used to describe it as like, um, like if you're playing like a board game and you just like flip it onto the floor <laughs> where you're just like, uh, starting over. Right. Like, and maybe some of the pieces will still land in the right spot. Exactly. But you just, you can't, you can't tell from looking at it. Exactly. What's going to land. Yeah. Would you also be willing to share a time that maybe you were disappointed? Yeah. I've been a musician in the punk scene since like 2005, 2006. Mm -hmm. And as you know, being a musician is like seven parts disappointment to three parts (laughs) being stoked. It's like, yeah. And it's like the three parts when you're stoked, it's like the best. Oh yeah. And like, that's what keeps you doing it. Yeah. It's, it's so fulfilling, but there's so much just like, I think this thing is really good. I think this thing is really good. And you send it and it, people don't check their emails or it falls on deaf ears or like you're like sending it to like publications and like, yeah, and stuff. yeah, you know, just being like, Oh, maybe it's not as good as I thought. And then like in reality, it's just, there's so much and it's like whatever strikes depends on who's the right listener at the right time. And like, I've had a lot of things I'm really proud of and a lot of success and stuff, but like the overall arching theme of like, being a musician is like, you know, you're kind of set up to be, you, you got to have a thick skin because mm-hmm. for every one person who's like into the thing you're doing, there's like 10 people who are like naysaying or like waving their hand or whatever. And then, so that's like a really big, like broad, vague answer to your question. No, that's uh, really, that's really great. That's like, that is because that is something that I think about a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> As a fellow musician, where it is like the amount of grant applications or like festival applications, or I've been like, I feel pretty solid about this. And then it, a thing that has been helping me is like realizing it all just depends on like who's in the room. It's, it's super weird because like one of my bands, uh, which is called Cluttered, we've been a band for like, just over a year and a half or something like we formed in late 2020 for a project and then like kind of went from there and we've had a lot of success for a band our size like we've had shout outs from Laura Jane Grace and the Lawrence Arms who were a huge influence band and then like finding out other people in that scene who are like bands that I respect or like recommending our band to other people and like that's really dope and that's really cool But then, like, you know, it took so long to get to that point. And what's kind of wild is, so prior to Cluttered, I was predominantly a solo artist for a while. And that came out of, I had a band called Future Girls, and Future Girls kind of, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, everyone got busy or people weren't as, like, stoked on it in the moment as I was. It was really hard to get things organized and get things going. And I was still writing songs. And I sent a song to Dylan, the drummer for Cluttered, and his response was just like, oh, this sounds like a Cluttered song. And I was like, no, I think like the songs that I write just sound like me. And then that was kind of a, like a reality shifting moment where it's just like, 
oh, it's a process. Being a musician is a process. You're refining things over and over and over again. And like, it's rare when you're like, the first thing I did is great. And like, it will strike. It usually takes like, your bad band plays a show with someone's touring band and then you're just really nice. And it's just like, that band wasn't very good, but those people were really nice. And then like, you know, then you start a band that people actually kind of like, and it, it branches from there. And then eventually you're like, a bunch of friends in Montreal are like, we're going to do a quarantine thing called demo fest here's submissions. And then I submit this like four song punk pop thing that is just like, all about being sad in the pandemic and feeling like you're drowning and people just being like, this is dope. Yeah. And then being completely thrown by it because you're just so used to people being like, this is good. Can I put out your tape? And then like no promotion or nothing happens behind it. And then like you start a project and then it's like, exclaim likes your song and it's going to put you in this playlist. And I'm just like, how did I make that jump? (laughs) I think, something that I think you have said to me before is that it's just like you never really know what is going to hit yeah and like when or why (laughs) it's just like terrifying but like also kind of freeing in a way well and it's like it's stuff that you might feel are like throwaway things or are like too vulnerable or not vulnerable enough or like for better or worse there are many maddie side project things there are many things that i do that are different than cluttered that are different than century egg which is another band i play in that are different than just like you know writing sad girl acoustic songs (laughs) um some of those projects when i post them or like because i'll just drop them because you're like why why not like if I if I just put it out and like let it exist, then maybe the right people will find it and then maybe that kind of takes some of the power out of like the potential disappointment because like if you sit on something for a year and you're just hyping yourself up at the same time as like feeling like you're losing momentum from it, mm-hmm. I find very challenging. I find really hard to sit on things. I think part of that, and I'm realizing this as we're talking, part of that is just, I don't want to be disappointed. If I just put this out, it can't hurt me. It can't hurt anybody. Like, it just will exist. And that was where, like, a lot of the quarantine projects that I was doing, like Modern Cynics and, um, I mean, like, a bunch of solo stuff. But just, like, that's where those projects kind of formed out of was, like, I'll tell you the Modern Cynics story because it's really funny to me. Um So essentially, uh, I was on tour at the beginning of pandemic, which also is a disappointment because (laughs) myself playing solo and Halifax band Designosaur, um, two of the members are in cluttered and we were like, let's book a tour for March because the winter sucks. Let's fucking do that. So we booked it. Everything was going. We get in the van. We're picking up Sean who's the drummer for Designosaur, and then we get a message, and it's like, PEI is canceled. I'm like, okay, still going to go play St. John's, still going to, like, do... It was just a maritime tour. It was just, like, we we had no idea what was coming. Mm-hmm. Get to St. John, ghost town. It's super weird. Play the show, have a lot of fun. Everything else, the rest of the tour gets canceled the next day. Yeah, this is, like, this is like March, like, 14th or 15th or something, Yeah, right? March 13th, I think, was the show. And so it was just like, okay, guess we're going home. 
And we're all like kind of like in okay spirits, but like kind of bummed and not really like knowing what was going on. And so we went home and we all locked down. And then I was just like, I got to write like garagey, fast, almost hardcore like songs. Cause like I listen to a lot of things and I have different influences. And like there are things that I get stoked on that maybe like people on first glance or first assumption of me don't know that like I have this deep well of like punk knowledge that goes like really deep and it's just like oh I like everything from bands like the Buzzcocks to the Urinals to new hardcore to garage punk to everything and it's just like it's just whatever strikes a chord so I took a bunch of psychedelic mushrooms and I wrote five songs. Uh, I wrote five songs over 14 hours. The whole concept of modern cynics because I sometimes am... <laughs> Just wait for the cat to stop scratching. Uh, hold for cat scratch. So I, I have a, a tendency to be a little long-winded when it comes to writing songs. I put a lot of words into spaces because... I'm not a particularly great singer, so people being like, hold the note, and it's just like, no, what if I just like put a bunch of words on every syllable and just like cram it through? Because that counts too. It, it adds rhythmic intensity or, or like different melodies or whatever. And, and like, I think I do a pretty good job with that. And then Modern Cynics was like, what if I only put 20 words in a song? What if I strip it down to its bare minimum? write the riff nothing is longer than a minute or two minutes or whatever and then just like flesh it out so I did one EP and I just like put it out and all of the people who responded or reacted to it or were stoked were people like more maybe less like mainstreamy press but were more like in the punk scene that I was so familiar with and I was like getting validated from that which is wild because it was just like man he's always doing these pop punk songs like like there's like a certain air of like that's not cool mm-hmm. but then you do like a thing and people perceive it as cool and then they like it and then i did a second one and i had kind of so i did the first one i was just like high and feeling fine and trying to reevaluate my brain a little bit and i just wrote these things and then like three weeks later i wrote four more or something and then it was <laughs> just like oh i'm just gonna keep this going like why not? And now there's like, there's more coming for that. And that's kind of exciting because it's just like one thing has a home already. The other thing doesn't have a home. Maybe I get that same freedom to just be like, like I'm teaching myself Photoshop. Um, I'm kind of making things that are like look bad on purpose because I'm used to making things with like a photocopier and like doing collage art and, and that kind of stuff. And it's just like, what if I just put out a thing with like not a great album cover and somebody listens to it and likes it. And then like, it's kind of like taking the power of disappointment away from things a little bit. Mm. When some people are like, you know, if you put like, you gave yourself some time and you did some promo and you did this and this and this. And it's just like, I don't always want to do that. Yeah. I don't always feel the need to like play the game. Mm hmm the game is ultimately the thing that disappoints you the most. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've definitely been through the process like several times of like having something recorded and then like 
not necessarily like I'm going to sit on it. Like, yeah, I'm going to sit on it. <laughs> like you don't frame it like that to yourself necessarily as much as like, okay, I'm going to like make the plan. And then, you know, maybe sometimes I haven't. And then sometimes I have, but it's still just like, it does almost make it a little bit worse than when it like doesn't stick or like doesn't land quite how you anticipated it. Totally. And like, it's different too. If it's like, it's a full length and it came out on a label of note and they put a bunch of money into it and they're pushing it and, and all of those things like that's, that's even different than like, I did this in my bedroom and I paid a hundred dollars to my friend to mix it because I can't mix anything. And mm-hmm. like, you know, what if you wait, like, as you just said, like, what if you wait all that time and you put it out and people just like, don't give a shit yeah. when you're like, could have put this out like three months ago and then like not fucking done with this and just yeah. like you know mutter to yourself at night and as you're falling asleep and then yeah uh, and it helps too to like the context that i usually need for myself too is that it's like when you think about it there's like so many people are putting out music right now it's so easy it's easy to get down on yourself if something doesn't stick, but it's also just like, you've got like, you know, in like the punk scene or like the emo scene, you have like a finite number of people who are listening and, but you have so many people putting out music. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, people who are peers and people that like, like have become peers of mine who like, I will send things before they're out. It's almost this like frantic energy that I have like when something is recorded and done I'm like I get like almost like a golden retriever I'm just like look at the good job I did look at this you know like I get too excited and then I realize that maybe I've like shown my hand to all of the people who maybe gave a shit and so when it actually comes out it gets less traction because those people have already heard it yeah and like that's that's a whole thing in and of itself where you're just like how do I navigate this? Do I keep everything to myself? Do I just share it with a couple people? Do I trust my instinct that this thing is good enough? Do I like, how do, how do I do that? And then what I'm realizing is ultimately that's just trying to regulate and not disappoint yourself Mm -hmm. because you're like, what if I wait a really long time? And what if I do this and then it doesn't pan out and then you're just like, cool, did I waste like eight months just like sitting on something when like that's you know a traditional album cycle is like you do something every couple years and you put something out and you go on tour and you do it and then like I've been really focusing on like EPs because you can kind of like bang them out really quick and then just like do it and then get them out and then then they just exist Mm -hmm. and then like once they exist if shows happen again, then I can teach myself how to play these songs I wrote. But like most of the time when I write stuff, it's not often that when a song is done, that it sticks in my brain enough that I don't have to relearn it in some capacity. We've been working on a cluttered record for since last year and finally got some of most of it arranged and like demoed and and all of those things and I don't remember writing half of the songs Mm. and I don't know if that was like my mental space at the time or what but I'm just like I don't remember what this song is called like or like it'll be listed and it'll be like what's this and I was like I don't know (laughs) I said it was going to be the third song on the record I don't know I um I don't have as much of an output as you do. So I think that is part of what leads to me sitting on things for so long. Cause I'm like, Oh, like 
I don't know when I'll write something again. So I want to like put an album together and make this happen. But like a thing that will happen to me is I'll like open up like Reaper or like my phone or something. And there'll be like an audio file. That's just like cool riff. And like, I'll listen to it and be like, when did I, when did this happen? (laughs) Sure. Uh, It is cool, but what? Yeah. I have that. I have that a lot. My phone memos are like, Sometimes there'll be like cool riff or egg riff or cluttered riff or something like that. And then like most of the time it's just like new recording 732. And I'm just like, I'm not going through 700 fucking voice messages to listen for what's okay. Like there's enough other stuff. And then like every so often if I'm in like the pit of despair or whatever and I'll go through it and I'm just like, I see where I repurposed that. I see where like, that idea changed and morphed into something else. And like, it's almost like, like the first step being like, I wrote something is to record it on my phone. And then I almost try to track it and like record it in logic or something as quickly as I can. Mm -hmm. So it just doesn't escape me. It's almost like trying to strike while the iron's hot, but it's just like, as you said, you're like, I don't know when I'm going to write something again. Like I go through big spells of like writer's block. Mm -hmm. So I have all of this output and then it'll be like, I haven't written anything in four months. And that's not a particularly long period of time. But for some folks, it's like myself, like if I'm like, I write to process when big things are going on in my life, when things are feeling really stressful and like, you know, bad when I'm just feeling bad, I write to cope. Like I, go to therapy and I have good friends and I talk to people and I do all of those things, but like, I'm still really bad at internalizing a lot of stuff. And then I write these songs and I'm just like, ah, if anyone reads the lyrics, they're going to know exactly what this is about. And then you have to like be okay with that, which is also kind of a trip because you're just like, I hope no one's paying. Like I want people to read my lyrics and I want people to like pay attention, but like, I don't want anybody to read too deep into this because then you'll be like, is this song about me? And it's like, Actually, no, it was written about another perspective from this thing, but I can see why you would think that I can see where like that conversation has actually happened a couple of times in the last like couple of years mm-hmm. where it's just like, did you write a song about me? And I was like, no, but I can see why you would think that. And I'm sorry. And then you just start like apologizing in advance for like, you're like, I swear, I swear this thing is not about you. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, that's the difference in like writing in metaphor versus writing literal things. And I used to write a lot more literal. I was in a band in like the 2010s called Fat Stupids. And it was just like a garage punk band. And I wrote a lot of like songs about feeling alienated and like being weird and like about spies and shit. Because just like that was the content at the time. But like our first EP has a song about my parents' divorce on it and no one has ever clued in on it. But it's the last song on the EP and I've given away that secret now. Um, But yeah, it's just like, that's the one that was like in metaphor and people were like, oh, I guess I get it. But like, I wasn't like super, it was a little bit vague. It was like not super pointed and we can talk about this more. But like, I kind of tried to revisit that songwriting style recently and in the process of doing it, the songs got a lot more literal, just in the sense of being like, what if I'm a little bit more to the point? Mm-hmm. What if I'm not so like, haha, figure it out. Like, what if I just am like, 
no, I feel stagnant. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm stuck, you know, for every good thing, there's three or four things that could be like changed mm-hmm. for the, for the positive. Ideally it's, it's kind of a trip. It's a trip to like try and figure out what's going to resonate with people because like I've had things come back. Like I put out an EP last fall. I don't even remember the date. Um, so the fall of 2021 mm-hmm. and it's called dysphoria city limits. And it's very like all of these songs are about dysphoria and like people were really like drawn to the lyrics and it was very like poignant in that way. And I'm like, okay, what if I do the flip side of that? And then just like write those same kind of sad songs, but like, maybe they're a little bit more poppy and enjoyable to listen to (laughs) than just like making the thing palpable. Is that the word? Palatable? Palatable. Palatable. Yeah. There's, there's a palpable palatability to it. Alliteration machine. Oh my God. I was very worried. I was not going to be able to finish those two words together. I was like, I'm going to stumble, but we made it. Yeah, we did it. That's really great. Yeah. I feel like in the, later half of that we were sort of getting into things that you're like proud of and excited for well i i knew that was coming so i didn't want to like <laughs> totally dive into it yeah just for the next like couple minutes if you want to get more into yeah something that either you are proud of or like excited for for sure so right now i guess kind of to to preface this there was a trend going on where everyone was doing a 10-year reflection challenge and it bummed me out and no, I know a lot of queer people and trans people that it just like bums out because you it's people are like posting pictures of themselves like 10 years ago. And I'm like, I was just like wasted and like dysphoric and like a total mess. And like, but 10 years ago, I was in a band called Fat Stupids. And I'm really proud of the things that we did as a band because it's kind of like where I learned to write songs. I'd never played bass before joining that band. And then... I was invited to join the band. We were kind of like, there used to be a full band open mic in Halifax called Rockin' for Dollars. We ended up being the like house band for that for years. And it kind of taught me how to like pick up things quick. And I was able to pick up on like the musicality and like things from the other members of the band. I was really, I was kind of inspired that way. And I was just like, huh, I wonder if I can write songs like that again. Because it's been so long since I'm just like, written like a power pop song or written like a garage song or whatever and so I did it and I wrote technically it is a six song EP called I Was a Fat Stupid it comes out May 6th on Tarantula Tape Records it may be out already uh I say Tarantula Tape Records it's Tarantula Tapes they're based in Barrie Barrie Ontario they're just like old friends yeah it's I say it's a six song EP one of the songs was actually a Fat Stupid song that we never recorded Nice. I found a YouTube video of that song and was like, why did we never finish this? And so that song's on there and it's a little bit different tonally, but like I recorded it, got it mixed, got it mastered, got it ready, have sent it to some people and people are stoked on it. And they're like, this is a really refreshing change. This is something that's really nice. <laughs> and I was like, cool. You know, there are other things I'm proud of and things that are in the pipeline that will come out eventually. But like this thing that I was able to do entirely myself, completely self-contained, just like how I was feeling at the time and like lyrically it kind of all like makes sense and just like doing it. So that's something I'm super proud of. Uh, I think when the cluttered full length eventually comes out, that'll I'll be really proud of that. We have demos of that. I'm I'm excited about it thus far. I'm very excited um, about it. <laughs> 
I'm really stoked on the Modern Cynics project because there's this label that's now based in Texas, but used to be based in Portland called Dirt Cult Records. And I became friends with Chris Mason, who runs that label. And Chris put out the Future Girls tape years ago. And then I was like, hey, I did this Modern Cynics project. It might be up your alley. And I sent it to him. And he's like, oh, I really like this. This is dope. And so there's a Modern Cynics record in the can that's going to be a split with his band. He has a, a solo project thing called Inject the Light that was kind of formed also out of, uh, he was living in Portland during like the BLM protests and like during all of those things and was really active with that. Kind of was just like writing about what was going on. And both of those projects kind of have like a, like a kinderedness to them almost. Like, like just like both formed out of the same kind of circumstances, but just different geographically and where we were at. So Dirk Cole put out a Modern Cynics tape last year, which is all of the songs. It's 18 songs in 19 minutes, something like that. Amazing. And so we're like, let's do a split. And so like that's done and that's just sitting and waiting and they'll be stoked. But in the meantime, I did another new Modern Cynics record that's getting mixed now. So there'll be two Modern Cynics releases this year. There'll be at least two Maddie solo electric EPs that are coming out. Um, one is called I Was a Fat Stupid. The other one is technically or tentatively called Winter Trash, <laughs> which is a new thing. It's myself and the drummer for Future Girls, uh, Dwayne, who I like love collaborating with and we work really well together. And so it was just like, hey, I wrote these songs. You want to do drums on them? Because they're like, Dwayne's not in Halifax right now. We can't gather like, you know, all of the things. And... I'm really stoked on how those are coming out and it's just like trying to maintain momentum while in the background I have this big ominous project with which is cluttered because like I got an arts grant last year to like work on that and create this thing and the cluttered album is kind of a trans narrative it's going to be called high lows it's just like it's a big task it's a big it's a big thing so that one's kind of like constant but like constantly moving slowly in the background it's like the tortoise and then everything else i'm doing is like the hair where it's just like how quickly can we get this done how quickly can we get this out like we got a snowstorm last week i took a picture of a fire hydrant and then i was like i'm gonna make art and i just like pixelated the shit out of the picture and it was just like you can still tell it's a fire hydrant but it looks like tv static and i was like great that's the aesthetic that's that's winter trash. That's winter trash. Yeah. <laughs> and so those are things I'm really excited about. Um, I think music is kind of the, you know, it's it's how I cope and it's how I deal and it's how I work through things. But it's also like, I've said this as a joke a bunch of times, but it always comes out as being like a little bit too like self-deprecating, but I'm always like, music's the only thing I'm good at. People are like, you're good at lots of things. I was like, you're missing the point. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm trying to say that like day to day, I'm kind of a touch and go person. And sometimes I have to spend a lot of time by myself. And sometimes I need to spend more time with other people. And sometimes that means I like have to bail on practices or like can't be around people, but I can still make music and I can still do those things. And I can still kind of keep those wheels moving. Because as I mentioned before, it's like, how I process and it's like if big life changes are happening I tend to write more because if I stop writing then I'm just like 
oh, all of these feelings are just bottling up inside of me. Like there's no, like you gotta, you know, vent the valve a little bit mm-hmm. to like let it out. I'm like pretty, I'm pretty proud of where like stuff is going. The things I've been able to to do in the last couple of years, even through the restrictions of like not really being able to tour and then being able to tour. Like I was able to go on tour twice in November mm-hmm. with both Century Egg and Cluttered. I was just like, oh yeah, this is the thing. This is why I make music. Like this is the thing that makes me feel like really good and alive. And then you're in other cities and then you realize that you like, feel at home in other cities and you're like, I should probably just move here. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I should probably just do this. Oh, you mean that I already have friends here that I've known for a decade who I like feel loved and supported by and encouraged by. And it's just like Halifax has those things as well. But then there's no reason you can't come back. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not in a position where it's like, going to make a bunch of money and buy a house and retire and stuff like I will probably just like meander in customer service until my body can't hold it up anymore like hold up anymore and then I'll just find a work from home job and then I'll just work from home and be a hermit for the rest of my life and it's just like what if I don't have to do that what if like there's more to things than just like accepting your fate of feeling trapped Mm yeah yeah and I think you will find that. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank for, you for having me. For talking. This was really great. Great. Um, <laughs> I'm never sure how to end these. It's okay. It's like comedic sketches, right? You don't know how to end them. You just got to end them. Got to end it. Breathe in and begin Finding the moments I can bear to live in Resort fun I can barely leave What street am I on? Let You Down was made possible thanks to an initial investment by Mulgrave Road Theatre. It is hosted by me, Kalen Pygott, and I think I'm also the producer and the music supervisor, but I don't need those credits. <laughs> I dropped these names off the top, but I'm going to do it again now. Anyway, our theme song was written by Jay Stroutman, and our artwork was done by Isra Fitch. You can hire both of them. Once again, my guest today was Maddie Grace. She has so much fucking music out there. You can find it on Bandcamp under names like Cluttered, Future Girls, Fat Stupids. The list goes on and on. You are hearing her again right now. This is the song Repeating Numbers from the EP Dysphoria City Limits. Uh, Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, everyone. I'll see you next time. I can barely live in